0: Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, for your Holy Spirit, who authored these uh, these pages. And as we open them, God, we pray that you would renew our minds, Lord, maybe speak to us in, in, a, in a fresh way that we might not have heard or listened to you before. But God, we pray that you would give us clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you're in a good place here to ask questions today and to think about, okay, what do I believe? Where am I when it comes to the God of the universe? And his son, Jesus, and this word that we call the Bible. Today, we're starting this series, as I mentioned, called The Lies That We Believe and the Truth That Will Set Us Free. And today, specifically, we're gonna be talking about the Bible in, uh, itself. And it's a good place to start because this is where we find the truth. How many times in your life do you have Regrets. Anybody have regrets? If you're alive, you have regrets. It might be like, man, I look back and I wish I would have done this different as a parent. Or you look back and you're in school right now and you're like, I wish I would have paid attention in that class last year or five years ago because it would be much easier right now. Usually when we have regrets, it's because we had gone rogue. We had gone on our own visioning and thinking and gone differently than what God tells us about the truth in his word. Think about it. We stand there and we think, you know what? Uh, I better go tell that person off because I need them to know how wrong they are. Now, is that in God's word? Not necessarily, but it's in my world and my head. So I'm going to go do it and have regrets, right? That's something medium and minor. But sometimes we look back and we're like, man, if I only would have done the right thing. Well, as we learn about uh, God's truth and his word, it doesn't mean that life is gonna be perfect or easy moving forward, but it does mean that God will guide you as you allow him. And as you have more of his word soak in you and think about, okay, uh, is this a myth or can I believe what God says in here? Does it work for me today? Or is this just an ancient story full of tales that uh, maybe I can take some of it or not? And if we have those questions and we think that way, it's nothing new. In fact, for centuries, people have been trying to piecemeal the Bible and take what they think is best for them and leave the rest. One of the most famous examples of this is a famous guy called Thomas Jefferson. Back in the days around 1800, 1804, 1805, he was you know, responsible for the, the, a lot of the formation of our country, constitution, you name it, part of that. Well, there's something you can find today called the Jeffersonian Bible. You can find, buy this on Amazon. And what he did was he took his Bible and literally started to cut it to pieces. He would cut out parts of it that he may thought were a myth or were man's, uh, uh, in man's made up stuff. It wasn't from God. And this isn't it, but it probably looks something like this. Story is he would cut it out. And I started to, to, to get intrigued by this. So I thought, let me research and see what did he actually do? Well, I don't know all about the Old Testament, but the story says that in the New Testament, he was frustrated with the biographies of Jesus. He was predominantly frustrated with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He thought they hadn't made Jesus as high morally as he should have been. So he would cut out and make his own stories about Jesus. Therefore, the Jeffersonian Bible. He took out parts of scripture that didn't fit with his lifestyle. That doesn't happen today, does it? Church bodies don't do that today, do they? Christians don't do that today, do we? Well, we do. And we may not cut out our Bible, but we may act in ways that we diminish portions of it because it doesn't fit our lifestyle. And we may conjure up ideas that, well, uh, this part of the Bible is more important or maybe that part, that was just a, a myth. And we're here today to learn that this book is not a myth, that there's not portions of it that we can do without or, or uh, minimize. It's all important. But one of the things that I'm sure you have wrestled with, if you're not wrestling with this today, is this question. Does it matter if I believe the entirety of the Bible as fact? Does it? Does it matter if you look at this word and say, the whole thing is fact, or there's some of it that maybe I'm wrestling with? There are people that are listening right now that are on all all parts of the spectrum. There are some who are like, man, I believe all of it, I'm going with it, yes. There are some you might have just flipped on the channel, this is the first time you're with us and you're like, I don't know, but I've heard some things about the Bible. It is just very head scratching to me. And there's some, a lot of us who are in the middle. For instance, who here has never Wrestled with the idea of thinking, okay, a snake was talking to this lady. Who here has never wrestled with the idea that uh, Moses put this staff down, this God's rod, and all of a sudden the water just spread until the people came all the way through it? That's. Mm. Have you ever wrestled with the idea that in Joshua the sun stood still for twenty-four hours almost? I mean, that's a bad sunburn for those people. You didn't have enough sunscreen for all that time. What are you doing, Joshua? Hey, have you ever wrestled with that? You know, come on, John. Three days in a whale. Mary was a virgin. Okay. Some people are real nervous right now. Like, oh, that's hundred percent true. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. We're human. We have questions. It is important that we take God's word and think, okay, this is not a myth. This is true. How do I deal with those parts that are really hard to swallow, that I can't physically, scientifically explain or understand, we call those miracles at time? How do I deal with that? This is a safe place for us to wrestle with that, and that's what we're gonna do today. It's okay to look at God's word and say, God, I don't know about, I can't get that. But God, please help me, your Holy Spirit, help me to understand this in such a way that if I don't understand, that you can at least increase my faith, as the disciples asked, increase our faith, Lord, so that we can trust you even in the parts that we don't get yet. Notice I said get yet, because if you press into the Lord and allow him to continue to just teach you. You may not understand how the dude could live for three days in a whale, but you understand, you know, God did some crazy miraculous things. I love it. One of my friends says, when you have a, a creator that uh, actually created all the laws of physics, all bets are off. Easy way to say it, right? But let's get a little, let's, let's, let's unpack this. Let's go a little further. Okay, so let's, let's, let's look at what Jesus had to say about this. Because Jesus was running up against people often who would question him, who was the word that has become flesh. He was like the truth, the word people. They would question what he said and and what he said, especially about stuff in the old Testament being fulfilled in the Bible. And so one day in John chapter 10, we come across Jesus who is wrestling with the church leaders and they're questioning. You said you're the son of God. That's blasphemy. That's a lie. How can you say that? And he starts quoting a part of Psalm 82. He says, hey, you remember when God was was calling these people this and that and using this term and this and that? And the the important part for us today is he lands on this short little part that I've really glossed over most of my, my ministry. And I looked at it, I thought, this is important. Listen to what Jesus says. He finishes with, he says, and scripture cannot be broken. Another way to translate that, he says, and scripture cannot be torn apart or put aside or put aside. Think about that. Jesus was talking about the Old Testament. That was a scripture that he had. He quoted Deuteronomy often. He would quote Isaiah. He'd quote different portions of the Old Testament. And Jesus is telling them, you have to take it all. You can't look at parts of it and think, well, I'm going to set that aside or I'm going to break it and take parts of it that I like. You have to take all of scripture And if you're with me right now and you're like, I don't know if I can get all of scripture, I don't understand it. Let me just tell you, the Bible tells us that it is written so that you may believe and you may have life in in Jesus' name. That is primary, primary. If you're hearing this today, one thing that God wants you to know more than anything is he loves you and he wants you to be in his family. And he wants you to know that his son, Jesus, died on the cross for you. And through faith, you can have life, hope, you can have, have it all. The rest of this stuff is super, super important. And as you believe that and press in, God will reveal this to you. So what we're talking about basically is that God offers the truth in the whole of scripture. Now, we're, now, Pastor John's gonna talk more about that next week, talking about the truth in the whole of scripture. Because where we, we, we get a flat tire and where we get off the tracks is when we start re- thinking like this world is telling us, well, I have my truth. You have your truth. we got all these different truths. And, and if it fits me, good, let's go with it. That doesn't fly with Jesus's truth. There's the truth and it's revealed in the whole of scripture. So that leads me to this. If we get a section that we're like, you know, I don't know if I can swallow this part Instead of cutting it out of our Bible and throwing it away, how about we wrestle with it? We wrestle with it and we allow God to maybe change our thinking, our understanding. And if you think I'm off off the rocker in left field or something, do you remember God's chosen people? Old Testament, he came to them and they're called, uh, I think they're called Israel. That's right, Israel. Well, Israel got its name because there was a guy in Genesis named Jacob who wrestled all night with God. And if you've ever heard the story, if not, I'll tell you, basically he's wrestling with God and he wakes up and he has a limp, right? He's, he's always gonna remember that he was wrestling with God. And God says, you're no longer gonna be Jacob. I'm gonna change your name to Israel. Do you know what Israel means? To wrestle with God. Now, when I first learned that, I thought That's crazy. You're chosen people, and you're going to call them, I wrestle with God. That doesn't sound too appealing in an earthly way, but it does appeal to God. God's big enough. Wrestle with me. Wrestle with my word. Wrestle with the truth, and I will reveal the truth to you when you're ready to get it. So let's wrestle with a text today. You want to do that? We'll start at the beginning one, Genesis 3. Here we go, wrestling with God. The first verse, Genesis 3. And as we go through this, let your mind drop the things that you're really concerned, like, ah, oh, this snake, this snake, or how can a snake talk? Try to get out of this text. That's what I'm going to ask you these questions. If these go through, get out of the text, the truth that God wants you to know about him and his relationship with you. Because there's lots of truth in here and there's things that can, can get you side, get you sideways. Don't, here we go. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? A snake is talking. That's usually where people get stuck right here. Like this is a myth. I'm not reading this. This is so good. And I've never seen a snake talk. Let me tell you something. I went jogging for three miles yesterday. And I knew this was a holy appointment for me to preach this text. Three miles, I saw three snakes. And it gets worse. Two of them were dead and the one that was alive was next to my mailbox. It's satanic. It did not talk to me, but I talked to it. I was like, get out of here. Get behind me, right? Oh, I was so mad. I started kicking it and it was like halfway in the hole. I mean, by the way, these were little snakes, okay? But to me, a snake is a snake. So this is when I'm like kicking it and he's getting deeper in the hole. I'm like, man, if I live in the country, I would go get some gas and just blow it up. You know, my neighbors, they'd be calling the police on me. I'm in trouble. If I live in the country, I would get a gun and shoot that snake. Anyway. Okay. The serpent was talking. Are, do you have heartburn now? You're like, yeah, that's a myth. Let me get out. But listen, listen, what God wants us to learn here. What does this serpent do? He says, did God really say? He's been doing the same thing, asking every time you go to the Bible, well, maybe that's just God, that's just a different opinion, that's a myth. But God really didn't say that. He didn't really say that I should just have eyes just for that person, just for my wife, my husband. You see where it goes? The devil asks the same question. And by the way, that's my question, isn't it? Is the devil real? Is the devil real? Well, some would say yes, but some are like, well, If if you get real, real tricky right here, you're gonna look at this text. And if you look at all the verses we're gonna look at, there's nowhere in this part of Genesis that says that the the serpent is the devil. Some of you are like, you're kidding me, really? Where do we get that? Where do we get that then? Remember, all the scripture works together. That's why it's gotta take it all. You just can't take parts of it. Revelation chapter 12, it says, that serpent called the devil. We get that from Revelation 12. The church throughout history has just understood that that's what was going on here, Okay. Now, if you say, "Oh yeah, the devil's real," but think about it—you can have all these crazy people at your house on Thursday, and if you get all crazy and start talking about the devil, they're gonna be like, you know, some of those relatives, like, she's in there talking about the devil, and I'm not talking about deviled eggs, the devil, and there, there's people in your family who are thinking, well, oh, that's just a little myth. That's we used to think it like that, but we're more, uh, we're more, you know, like. We've grown up, guys. The devil is real, and if that's hard for you to swallow, just take the D off. And here's my next question: Is evil real? Is evil real? Yeah, you, you better bet ya. If you look at the 20th century, you look at all you look what happened in the 20th century. Evil exists. If you look what happened. The last two years in our country and how we are so divided, you're going to say evil and the devil exists because he, all he does is go to say, did God really say that? Did did your, does your brother really love you? Come on now. I mean, you, you guys used to be tight, but now he's vaccinated. You're not. Oh, I don't know about you. Well, I got Moderna. Well, you got Johnson and Johnson. I got Pfizer. I'm the one that's right, right? Yeah, I'm getting a booster. You're getting a booster shot. I'm not even touching that stuff. Think about it. the devil loves to divide. Evil is alive and well because it's, it's, it's disunity. It's a world that is, that is crumbling and he pulls us apart. Okay. so If you're struggling with the devil right now, you're like, I don't know about that. At, at, at least be open to realizing that this world is a mess. There is evil and, and, and something has to be done about it. And we're going to get to that. So let's follow along a little further. Verses two through five says this. The woman said to the serpent. So now it gets crazier. She's talking to a snake. Okay. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not die," the serpent said to the woman. "For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, the question is this: Does God have the best in mind for you? Do you live that way? Do you make your choices that way? You think, man, God has the best in mind. Or let's just try a little softer question: Does does He know best? Does God know best? Listen to how the devil plays these questions. Listen to what he does here in this text. Let's go back. So he basically says, hey, um, the woman is is saying, yeah, you must. God said not to eat from it because you'll die. And then the devil goes, well, you certainly won't die. Now, was he right? Kind of. Like she she physically started dying, the body started decaying once sin entered the world, but she didn't physically die until years later. Spiritually, she was dying right then. She probably didn't know it. But think about the different ways. So the devil was kind of giving you one of them half-lies, you know, and the, the, he works the way he does. He's like, come on, you can believe this? Like, you're not gonna die. See, look, you ate it, you're fine. And then he even comes into, into some truth. The devil speaks truth. He says, hey, because God knows that when you eat this, all of a sudden your eyes are gonna be open. You're gonna see God's trying to protect you. He didn't say that part. So this is how the devil works, man. He'll take the Bible and he'll say, well, come on, you can believe how uh, I, I'm being honest with you, but then he kind of pulls a fast one. And he gives a half truth. We talked about this before. This is bad news. But does God want what's best for you? Does he know best? Yeah, he does. And that's why he gives us his word To guide us, even in the midst of stories, you're like, I don't know about that. Let's continue on. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and the food was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Dun, 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 right? And then her husband, I always say he's watching ESPN in his recliner because he's right there. She also gave some to her husband and he was with her and he ate it. Goes from bad to worse. And then the eyes were both of them were open. They realized they were naked. Just pause. How do you think that happened? Like, imagine that experience. <laughs> I mean, they're probably excited and scared and running. And they, 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 they obviously ran into the bushes because they went to get some leaves to put up. This is nuts. Just pause right there. This is a crazy story. They have not made this for TV and I understand why. For God knows, or no, didn't jump down. Say they're both naked. Their eyes were open. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. Man, I thought this was gonna be easier. It's a hard text. But what's the truth right there? What's the truth? Something is wrong with the world and people. They realized it right then. Something is not right anymore. You will experience that this week. Like these people are nuts. Something is wrong with the world and people. They'll think that about you. Right? We're all broken. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. In fact, Paul, thousands of years later, an early missionary wrote in the book of Romans. He goes right back to this Scenario. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 18. He says, I can, he says, consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So all this brokenness and this messed up world, don't even compare it with the glory that's going to be revealed in us for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. So here you get a picture that the creation that is broken once sin entered the world and you can see how the world is broken. It's on its tippy toes just waiting for Jesus to finally have the consummation, the fixing of all things. Matthew 25, Revelation 20, 21, 22. Like he started on the cross. He, he, he defeated death, the devil, you name it. But there is the day that creation is groaning for, like that the Lord is going to restore all. Heaven, earth, our heavenly bodies, you name it, come together, all that's gonna happen. Wow. Wow. So while the devil wants to sow what he thought was hope, he sowed some bad seeds, right? Evil just flourished. I mean, and it just continues chapter after chapter after chapter in Genesis, it gets worse and worse. And God, you know, continues to give hope, give hope, give hope. And then his son comes and that is the hope. And that's the question, where do we find hope? If you are listening today and you're like, you know, I've tried the Bible, I've tried the church, but these these things that you mentioned, they're like little myths that I learned when I was a kid or heard of. I can't take that. At least take this, that God loves you. He calls for a different direction because he loves you so much. He gives you things in here that may be hard to understand, hard to believe, but if you can receive it, He's going to rescue you from this broken world. He's going to give you a hope that in the end, you're going to be all right. Because like we said earlier, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He's calling you today. He may be recalling you today. So was that so bad? Yeah. We talked about snakes, talking snakes, people finding out things about their spouse. Whoa. Whoa. All sorts of things. And yet, you can go back and say, you know what, God was teaching me in that scripture that it's not a myth. There's truth there. And come back next week, you're going to learn a lot about truth, truth, truth that God has for you and that he wants to guide you in. So, after wrestling with this portion, how do you view other parts of scripture? You scared of it anymore? You you question, maybe you have questions still and that's okay. But maybe go into it and say, okay, God, I'm gonna lay this part aside. I don't get that. I trust you got this. But teach me, teach me the principles, the beauty of your love, your law, your gospel, your forgiveness, your grace, your movement forward as we wrestle. Amen. As I said, uh, we're not the first to wrestle with Scripture. We're not the first to take topics and uh, try to figure out, okay, what does God mean here? Uh, The church has been doing this for centuries, and that's how we get what's called creeds. Uh, Every week, if you're new with us, every week here, we usually profess, we publicly profess our faith